Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Black Mirror Cracked, the podcast for all your Black Mirror needs. My name's Sachandrika and I'll be your host. Today we'll be talking about the season three episode, Playtest. I have two guests with me to take me through this episode. On my left we have... James Ide. I'm a writer and garbage person for The Mirror. Okay, there we go. On my... And James has pictures occasionally. Yes, I I am a picture person as well. And on my right we have... I am JC Sutton. I'm an assistant community manager for The Mirror and appropriately enough uh, an occasional video games writer website as well you're yeah you're both gamers you both like a game yes a video yes. game we like a video game we like the game yeah yeah good <laughs> so was this a typical black mirror episode not exactly i think it was very much uh it adhered to a lot of horror movie tropes kind of straightforward ones and subverted them as well and but while, it seemed aware of them didn't it yeah like exceptionally aware there are some points where i mean obviously it starts off like a classic horror movie um, it's set in a haunted mansion and there's kind of classic monsters and at one point Cooper is keenly aware that it's like very much there's lots of tropes when he mm-hmm. enters the cupboard and he goes oh there's going to be a monster behind it and there sort of is and he kind of does that but it also it is a very classic horror movie like Hostel where like there's a someone gets seduced by someone he's a very vulnerable American abroad and he gets scared by monsters and what's great about it is that we get scared as well, even though we know it's fake. Mm. We also, I find it quite scary, this, the bit with a spider. We, we know it's a simulation. We're another level removed from it. We're the audience. And we have the extra barrier between us, but yet we're still scared by it. So what's it like for him? So it's a very strange episode, but not, not a typical one, I don't think. Mm. I wouldn't say it's a typical one either. I mean, um, it, it seemed less, even though the tech was a large part of it, it seemed more about the subliminal things he wasn't dealing with and like it was more about an emotional kind of you know I don't want to say journey I really don't want to say journey but I've just said it so journey it's okay to have an emotional journey can I just put in as an aside there was a scary monster behind the door to this sound booth when I walked in <laughs> jumped out and tried to frighten me to get me in the mood very hairy but <laughs> suspiciously handsome as well <laughs> so I'm sufficiently terrified in this room um, so, are you both Black Mirror fans? Have you kind of both watched all of it or most of, most of it? Yeah, huge uh, Black Mirror. I can only speak for myself. Um, huge Black Mirror fan. Uh, big Charlie Brooker fan as well. Obviously, loved Dead Set. Loved. I used to love his work even on a PC Zone back in the day when he was a games writer. I used to really dig that stuff. So, yeah. A bit of Dead Set knowledge can come in useful because oh, yes. it's got Dead Set vibe, hasn't it? Uh, I'm a big fan of the show, but I have yet to watch any of the new series, which is series four. Right? Yeah, I know. I've, I've had a lot going on. I've recently had a child, which obviously eats into my free time. So I've been watching bits and bottles of that old stuff. classic. Yeah, that old classic. Oh, it's my fault. I'm blaming Did a baby. Did it come out of you? I'm blaming a baby for my shortcomings. So, uh... Shout out to Isaac. He's a very strong yeah. baby, oh, yeah. already standing up. Yeah, when you listen to this in a few years, Isaac, uh, please accept my apologies for blaming you for not being able to watch a TV show. 
I, yeah. I wouldn't give him a few years. A couple of minutes, he'll be walking through the door. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> very, Father, what are you saying? He's an advanced lad. He's <laughs> very impressive. So, um, so we're, kind of, we, we're keen. We've watched quite a bit of Black Mirror, and we have some gamers in the room. What do we think of Cooper as a character? He goes through a lot of, a lot of things in this episode. Yeah, he... There's a big reference to gaming straight away with Cooper because his surname, Redfield, is the name of a pretty famous character from Resident Evil. Um, and it, Resident Evil, I think, is the big reference here. That obviously, you've got a, yeah. a big mansion and this spooky things happening and in there. And monsters. And monsters and, and things like that. Um, and I think there's a big part of pushing the boundaries of gaming, what it does to people, the visceral reactions that people get. And obviously as technology improves and people get more accustomed to special effects and, and graphics, the limits we then have to go to to achieve the same reactions. Even the um, the big developer, Show Saitu? Saitu Gamer. Yeah, Saitu The dude talks about... Um, pushing getting adrenaline out of people and pushing people to the limits mm. and that's what I think we look at now with VR and, and AR yeah. that now you know, nowadays something that would be scary back in the day a horror game like the first Resident Evil might be been terrifying back in the day but now it's quite blocky it's, scared the but, yeah. I mean when I was a, a kid but now it's laughable yeah. I mean even the, yeah. the dialogue in the cutscenes is so clunky and oh, can't believe yeah. I've ever found that scary. And now we're on the we we're on Resident Evil Seven, and like they've released that in VR now. You can play that in VR. I'd say the tech has really brought back things like uh, horror games. I mean, like yeah. I was never I was into them, but I loved Resident Evil games, but didn't really play any of the others. But VR and AR, as you said, like have really given it new life, and I think that's another thing that they kind of talk about in this. The the technology that they develop kind of really takes that horror genre, the survival horror genre, to the next level, and like really really pushes it past like what a human being can take yeah i mean who knows in 10 15 years time what it will be like and i mean that it also made me think of uh, the movie existence if i'm saying that correctly yeah because that also is it's about video games that put you in there like immediately like your all your physical sensations are kind of tied in to the game itself there's obviously you jack yourself in in the back of the neck mm-hmm. um and like you say who knows in a few years time what what the game will be like. also about questioning reality uh, existence because yeah. he, he does that at certain points you know that's it, again not to give too much away but the kind of am i out of the game now or am i still in and that's very relevant especially to the end of this episode yeah yeah i was i really liked the the way that episode ended i think um it's quite nice to have something bleak still <laughs> because i mean black Mirror is fantastic and it's uh up until kind of the later episodes it had built itself on being a sort of quite bleak and upfront and honest thing and being quite I think quintessentially British at that point as well mm. and as time's gone on there have been a few more episodes that have ended on a more upbeat note but it's nice to have it to have the rug swept on from underneath you, you know, as you know in that way I kind of liked how the ending uh, really brought me back to the old Twilight Zone episodes you know like um, where they just suddenly go ah oh, this is Planet of the Apes but oh it was Earth all along you know those type of endings where it was like ah you know it was doomed anyway you know I, I thought that was really cool and again, just how it essentially boiled down to him not calling his mother. And also, basically, he ignored the big two warnings of the episode after turn off your electronic devices yep. and As to call your mum. I've asked you 
but you've this room, so I hope you have. There we go. See, <laughs> what do we think actually happened in the end? Do we think Cooper Redfield Ooh. dies in the end? This is a juicy one. Mm. Yeah, because it lays so many little points, doesn't it? And Reddit has some good theories. Um, I've been reading Reddit. Oh, what did it say? Well, some redditors think that um, he's still alive. The AI is messing with his mind, so he's permanently locked in. He might be, yeah. So you know, there's a bit where they make you go upstairs to like the access point, and then Katie's in his ear saying, yeah. "You know, we'll help you. You said you're safe, but then once he gets up there, she's like." When she turns even in his ear, it's so scary. Because you're like, yeah. even Katie's turned on him. But then that's a wicked thing. That reminded me so much of, I used to be really into the Silent Hill games. Me going, oh, I was kind of into horror games. No, Silent Hill was amazing. And one of the things they used to do in Silent Hill, especially uh, Silent Hill for the room, they used to establish, like, in between missions, you used to go back to your room, your apartment, which was trapped in. And that was always your safe place. Nothing ever attacked you there. You could see people getting murdered and horrible things happening around you. You couldn't really interact with them. They couldn't hurt you. Um, and it was quite unnerving. And then right later in the game, things do start attacking you in the apartment. And that just was too much for me. I was like, this is the safe space. Um, and that's what like that reminded me of. Because very much like they set out these rules they've established. These things can't hurt you. And I'm here to help you and to talk to you. And then they instantly turn it on its head like, oh, no, no, he totally gets hurt. And I am not helping anymore. Or is it even... Is it even is there, it Katie? Even real, yeah, it's Katie even real. Katie, but... no, fakey. There we go. That was what I was going fakey. Fakey so, Katie. Yeah, because for me personally, the last thirty-seven minutes of that episode do not happen. Yeah, they. It's all from from the moment he's in the chair and his phone goes off the first time, and she goes, "Oh, I thought I turned it off." That's you that's where that's it the ends point where because and. I mean, people have probably spotted this already, but they make a very specific point in the episode of announcing the time when it, and what, how many, how much time has elapsed. And when they begin the test in the white room, it is 5.38 precisely. She says it out loud and it's also on the clock. And then he gets jacked in and he starts playing with the gopher groundhog and it is 5.40 on the clock it's moved forward that might be a continuity error no 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 it's, it's, it's all part, this all ties in it's all part of his plan yeah and then it switches to a shot of a CCTV camera where it says 1740 5.40 and then right at the end of the episode where the mum's phone is ringing it is 5.38 it is yes and she says when she's typing in the report she says like only like 4 seconds or 0.4 seconds have elapsed and that's how that's one of the things that speaks to how from that moment on because when the phone rings the first time she goes to turn it off is the same phone call of when at the end when the phone's vibrating this is 5.30 yet so no time has really passed and there's also a lot of other differences I'm going to bore you now because I've made a quick list this isn't boring so um, Saito um, at the very end, which I believe is real, he's speaking Japanese yes. to Katie. Yes. Yeah. Um, Who is replying in Japanese. Yes. Mm. Whereas when they're in his office testing out the game for the very, very first time, or he goes in and gets kind of jacked in, he's speaking English very, very well. He's also wearing a black hoodie with a white T-shirt. And at the yeah, very, very end, he's, he's wearing, wearing a black jacket and a black T-shirt. So there's, there's a lot of disparities. But I think the time is the big indicator when you go back and watch it that... That is, from the minute that happens, the last 37 minutes, everything is happening. So Katie, from that on, is fake. And Katie is kind of asking questions about whether he saw, well, the level of detail he saw with mm. the groundhog. And I, that's the AI, I think, testing him, 
asking him questions, testing out his psyche. Ooh. There we go. But it, it's it, that time frame is very, very important. There's a very specific way that they've done that. I thought it was quite odd how they would constantly state the time. And I kept going back and I checked. And yeah, there's like a, yeah. I'm quite impressed by that, man. So if you get, if anyone's watching now, go back and watch the episode. And from that moment on, when the phone when the phone goes off for the first time, everything going forward is fake. One thing I absolutely loved about um, that fits in with what you were saying is that the episode, especially past a certain point, seems to follow dream logic. And there's a lot of parallels um, uh, where people talk about, especially in like Christopher Nolan films, that film and TV in general follows dream logic. For example, in The Dark Knight, there's a sequence where um, Bane goes under into a tunnel and it's day, and then when he comes out, it's night, because Batman looks ridiculous during the daytime, even though they break that rule later on. But a lot of films follow these kind of rules that I didn't realise until someone told me, and then I rewatched it. And this episode's very much like that. There are lots of weird little things that change around, but you don't notice... Well, unless you're eagle-eyed JC over there. Um, But, you know, there's lots of things you don't quite notice, because the gist is still the same. I thought that was very much like dream logic. Even the bits where he's, like, freaking out, seeing... Like dream logic, even even the monsters, even the way things move, and like even the way like oh this won't hurt you, and then it does. It's very much like a dream. Him trying to scream for help and can't, like all just screamed nightmare and dream logic to me. I thought it was absolutely amazing. So yeah, I like think that it could have been the device, or or it's in his head. Like the device actually did nothing. Like possibly, I don't know. It's it's all very very subtle. I mean, even the. The fact that obviously at some point there's a giant, there's a small spider and then yep. a big spider with a human face. But I mean, <laughs> one of the first things that you see is he's on, he's on the plane watching a movie and there's a giant spider there in the, attacking a building, giant spider. Yeah. And then when he's in the game development studio walking around, seeing all the coders, there's a guy wearing a T-shirt with, with a giant spider, spider on. Yeah. Um, and the fight between him and Sonya, the knife fight, and her skin kind of melts away. In the game studio, there is a poster for a game called Skinned Alive. Ah, um, yeah, and yeah. Isn't, there's a po- there's something on the graphic on the wall, isn't there? There's like some sort of concept yeah. art for it, yeah. which is like I think it's a skull yeah. or something. And even when he's he first steps into the lobby, and there's a poster, and it's got a man's face with the the image of the mansion, and there's a, one of the windows is lit up. Obviously, we see that later he on. References as well. it later yeah. when he looks at the painting. Yeah. So it's all kind of is it real? Is it fake? Is it you know? And of course, Sonya's name as well. Pray tell. It's a reference to um, Mortal Kombat. Sonya Blade. Ah, okay. So, like, Are we just going to be trading yeah. back and forth? Because okay. there's another bit which um, there's a very, very like everyone who plays games must yeah. know. There's there's a really iconic scene and it fits in context wise as well towards yeah. the end. Yeah, is it? Would you kindly? It is. Yes, would you kindly? I really wanted to say that yeah. to yeah. intros. Um, <laughs> well, you should go first, and I think you should explain it. I think. Oh, what? Yeah. So the reference uh, from Bioshock, yeah. which um, oh, I've forgotten the guy's name, Andrew, Andrew Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, yeah, he uses it. Um, he talks about free will with it as well, and like you're asked to do things, and and uh, he basically you can't resist when he uses the term "would you kindly," but yeah. it's dropped out through the game. Whenever you have a uh, linear decision, yeah. he says "would you kindly," and uh, you don't think anything of it because it makes sense within the period. Um, but towards the end of the game, it's you find out it's a method of control. It's used. Oh God, that's a spoiler, isn't it? I've just spoiled Bioshock. It's it's fine. I think, <laughs> I think there's a. That, that nod there, I think, speaks to a lot of people. Like most people nowadays have knowledge of video games. A lot of people have played Bioshock. And it's actually on the shelf in Sonya's apartment mm-hmm. as well. Um, there's, Bio- there's Bioshock 2, there's like Dark Souls, there's Until Dawn, Resident Evil, Revelations, all that. So I think people might have that familiarity with it. And if, to be honest, if you've not played Bioshock now, that game is probably 10 years old. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Did we notice what film was on top of those games? As Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, very nifty. Yeah, yeah. So that obviously speaks to... Um, Nicholas Cage being fans. Nicholas Cage fans. Which yeah. is everyone. We are Legion of Nicholas Cage fans. So it brings the human race together, really. Yeah. He's a fan of that crazy, crazy man. Um, but yeah, just how things aren't really what they seem. Being in someone else's body or someone else's skin. Yeah, that was quite clever. Yeah. It's, it's amazing how there's so... All these small pieces just fit together. Mm. And there's all these kind of little hints and drops of uh, knowledge everywhere. Mm. They they tell you quite a lot without needing to have tons of exposition. Like, oh, I like these things. Or there's even a bit at the beginning where he's like he's leaving his family. And there's just loads of little things like about him leaving surreptitiously, leaving at night, walking past the picture of his like happy family on the wall. And there's doesn't do it through backstory until later on anyway and there's no flashbacks to anything traumatic it's just just kind of there's little set pieces that kind of tell you I really like that I thought that was good I also really liked I can't remember I was talking to, to um, Suki about this a while ago that uh, obviously Wyatt Russell you know, carries the episode and he has a very famous pedigree in terms of parents <laughs> um, his father Kurt Russell and I remember saying that I felt the the bleakness of it made me want to rewatch a movie called The Thing, starring Kurt Russell. And if you haven't seen The Thing, at one point there's a very famous scene where there is a giant spider-type monster with a human face. <laughs> yes. And obviously, here we have Kurt Russell's son with a beard, like in the movie, The Thing, like his father, with a spider with a human face. I thought it was a very neat touch. I didn't think um, of that. Also, but spiders that's with brilliant. human faces are the worst. Yeah. They are, really are the worst. Yeah. And again, band humanity together. Yes to Nicolas Cage. No to spiders or human faces. No, if we have to sort, we're going to sort through the piles of things. Yeah. yeah. Hey, 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 this podcast for everyone. You know, Even if you're a spider with, with a human face, you know, don't listen to them. Don't listen to their no, hate speech. No, don't listen speech. to this podcast. Don't, <laughs> don't do listen to else. their hate Hand speech. Hand yourself into the nearest laboratory, please. Like, yeah. I think I dated one of those spiders <laughs> once, okay? And she's still out there, so, you know. <laughs> Yowza. This is, this is playtest therapy. Um, <laughs> did we notice one more? So this, it is really nice from when... Um, Cooper walks into sort of gaming laboratory type place. There's one more we haven't mentioned. It's the outfit his bully wears, the Victorian outfit, oh. which is great because it comes up on a screen and so that it's yeah. And, and so the bully's name's like Josh Peters or something. So yeah. he first turns up as a giant spider, and the AI is testing him. He's not scared enough by the he, had, he had, ah, like, ah. He just shock. appears behind. He's, he's full body before the spider, isn't it? Because he's he's just the model. And he's wearing was it before like, or after the spider? I think the spider was after that because the spider was the merging of. So then the AI decided, yeah, right, he... you're a bit scared by this and a bit scared by this. What, it's, it, it's a series of tests. It's just yeah. so um, imaginatively fun to watch. But yeah. the whole time he's being tested. And so the Reddit theory is that the AI keeps testing him to see how far he'll go. And then the bit where he goes up to the room at the end and they say, Katie says, oh, we wanted to see if you'd obey us without yeah, if you any do. questions. And, yeah. you know, you've got to that point now. The AI has convinced him by the end that he's dead, but he isn't actually because... Or that the, he has no free will. Yes, mm. or something where he's not human anymore. Mm. Because that last scene, you've, you've and JC's pointed out that Saito's wearing something different. He's only speaking Japanese. Katie's speaking back Japanese. And she feels in his form and it's only like three things, like time of crash, which would be a plane crash... Mm. Or a software crash, and um, that form, that form, some redditors think could be what Cooper imagines a form like that would be because it's too simplified mm. what that form should be. And also, they seem to not care. They seem to be like chuck him out with the other bodies, and he's already he's already worried about that in the 
in the room in the access point and again he's like it won't matter if i die and it seems unlikely that any real human being he also thinks ill of them anyway he even jokes about it he even says oh is this to harvest my kidneys when he's filling out the form yeah he's uncomfortable he's scared mm. he's he's not in a great place emotionally as a whole and then putting himself in these situations isn't smart there's a great thing about um cooper's fear so um cooper throughout the whole thing shows quite a level of bravado partially because of the type of character he is and he's like it's said several times about him being a thrill seeker and stuff but even like the first one of the first scenes is him on the plane watching the spider film and he just kind of sniggers at it and laughs like oh spiders but we know he's afraid of them and like uh, even when katie's testing him and saying oh what are you seeing or he he always kind of goes haha yeah you got me but that's how, how, what a great actor he is because he's pretending to be a guy who's not scared but he's scared and like the whole time he's like oh yeah nice try with that that totally didn't work but with the fear in his voice it's so interesting and he just doesn't want to show any well there's even a bit that follows directly on from that where cooper as he's entering the white room or crossing the threshold for the first time and katie's talking about we need your phone gotta have your phone and he's like you're paranoid oh you guys are really paranoid and obviously one of the things that consumes cooper later on is complete paranoia yeah like he he really is he's Already quite vulnerable, but putting a brave face on, and then all that just gets completely exposed at a very gradual pace, I think. And then just mm. there's a big crescendo. I think it's, uh, it's but it's like cool. a proper like horror film or game. It's got a nice slow build, and then it goes very hard. Like after that point, it's just like bam, bam, something else, something else. One thing I thought was really interesting is when he's in the room and um, he's got the forms. And they leave him. I always thought that was part of a test as well. Yeah. It felt very, um, this is a weird reference, but very Charlie and the Chocolate Factory like, because they ask him to fill out the forms and then they make the mistake of, oh, we forgot one of the forms. And they leave him with his phone and they leave him with this new piece of tech. Like, I mean, yes, it's in a case, in front, but it's in front of him. It's not even on the other end of the room, it's next to him. They leave him with his phone and they go, oh, we'll be back in a minute. We're just going to get the other form. There's no way in hell they wouldn't have been prepared, had all the forms done at least had cameras on that room because I kept expecting a camera on that room yeah I kept expecting them to go so did you look or, or to come back later like yeah you you did this like almost as if all the awful things that happened to him later are punishment for that yeah but if it's CCTV footage of him so is that only in his imagination well yeah exactly because the, the 540 could be his mind the AI saying to him but three minutes have passed yeah but in fact 0.04 yeah, seconds so there, there might not even have even been a CCTV camera because that's one of the clues that indicates that, yeah, that it is, it's not really 540, it's 538. I just, it was just it's so <laughs> like full on. There's a big, that room is completely white and they have this big clock. That you huge. can clearly see the minutes going by and obviously the display on the phone, 538, display on the camera, 540. Yeah. Very specific. There's one, there's one way in which that form thing could actually not be about Cooper, but be about the company, which mm. is that if you don't want someone to read the real contract, which says we will harvest your kidneys. <laughs> you say, oops, we've got a signature page. Bring another contract in. You don't have to read it again. Just sign. No, that's so it could work either point. way. And again, that's the Redditors. Love you guys. Oh, you have no, so much more good, theories. It? it could be Cooper being... Because the thing is with Cooper, I think the Sonia, the real Sonia storyline is very smart to have that already because she is a journalist is asking him to be a bit sneaky. And I don't think Cooper's a character would take a photo. I don't think he's that kind of person. I don't think he has she it does himself. Him, yeah. She's the one who said, She even says, I lead you to, I lead you to this. Yes, yeah. She, look, you can make more money. She's like, more than for the four pound size, whatever it is on that app. Yeah. So it's, 
it's her saying, be an investigative journalist, do do the work for that, and you, you'll get the money. I also don't think... played as a thrill as well. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, this is a really hush-hush thing. This is a big deal. Yeah. Go in and, like, because he, as you said, he, he doesn't have an interest. And even as a gamer in this, and he, he admits to being a gamer, he seems like a bit of a casual gamer, you know, like, oh, I used to play that, or, oh, yeah, I recognise these characters. There's never a point where he's like, oh, my God, that's from Dark Souls. Oh, my God, that, you know, he's not totally, you know, he's not hardcore gamer, but he's definitely a gamer. Sonia is kind of more the real gamer. She is, yeah, which is good. Tech journalist. Yeah. As journalists yourselves, if you were Cooper, would you definitely have picked up that your phone and taken pictures? Well, I'm going to say no, because I have, I've been privy <laughs> to a lot your of... ethics. Well, well, I've signed a lot of NDAs as well, and games companies are very, very serious. You haven't signed yet. Okay. And oh, that but that's the technicality. You're is like, it? You, yeah, you'd still get done for it. Like, yeah, of he, he took the picture and sent it to Sonia... Before signing that last page, yeah, I thought oh, no. No, no. To be fair, they've opened themselves up to a lawsuit because if the technology destroyed a man, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that. that's gonna not look good for them in court. But uh, if the technology is so vulnerable to mobile phone signals, they would put that room, put that phone somewhere else in another room yeah. that blocks signals. Or have There's, a shielded yeah. room, like a, like you can get jammers. Yeah. And all uh, kinds Chris of Rock had a, a show in the UK recently where they they asked the audience to put their mobile phones in lockable neoprene cases that once they were locked, they couldn't open them just so they couldn't record anything. And so a games company would just they ask you to check your phone somewhere else and have yeah. that put away. He gave so. his whole bag to Rav as soon as he went in the door. Like oh, yeah. they should have added, "Is your phone in that bag?" No, you have to give your phone to Rav. I thought that guy was a previous subject because I, I look. I actually paused. He doesn't react. He doesn't react, and I paused that frame and tried to look on the back of his neck to see if there was a oh. little scar because he's very much like, you know, I'm, obviously I'm just I've just done a movement on yeah. on a podcast here. So, uh, he did a rigid but movement. He did a very, very rigid kind of Frankenstein kind of slow walk around and didn't respond verbally. I thought is that because I feel like I've seen that somewhere before where yeah. they've like a previous subject that's been lobotomized has been. Yeah, and you yeah, misconstrued it at the, the time as intimidation, but actually it could just be a head case. Yeah. Like a guy who's just been completely yeah. destroyed by it. That is very good. You both did your research for this podcast. <laughs> Only the best research. Do you think in terms of the storytelling, where it shows rather than tells, is that is that how a good game works? Because narrative is a very good, yeah, very important part of a good game, isn't it? I mean... I don't want to give a blanket uh, yes in, in or no. Opinion, in your opinion? I mean, I think with most games, yes. I think like some of the best games, especially this is weird, old retro sort of like Nares and Snares games, some of the best ones, instead of having a tutorial or exposition going, oh, you need to do this to progress, it's much better if it's been designed in a way that you do it yourself or it shows you once and then you get tested and you start automatically throwing these things and Nintendo are very good at that with the Mario games they'll they'll kind of show you something like oh you could did you know you can do this now and then you'll come to several puzzles where you're doing that move or special type of jump and they'll mix it up a little bit each time but just so you equip it and you have it in your arsenal and like you will use it later on and towards you might not use it again for quite a while but at the end of the game you're guaranteed all the skills you've learned get put into practice and I think that is amazing yeah, just definitely showing and, and like giving you the kind of skills to kind of do it that wasn't quite what you asked I kind of went on a tangent no I think that I think that's about right that if, if a character if characters kept coming in and saying next you have to rescue the princess because remember back in 300 mm. years ago like when games do that and they do occasionally 
that's mm. when people get annoyed i think some some are quite known for it as well mm. for, like yeah. giving reminders i mean i we were talking about resident evil and i like the resident evil games and i'm uh, currently playing resident evil revelations um Capcom are kind of known for having cheesy dialogue and sometimes it's totally intentional and very funny and sometimes it's not and they will do things like I've got to go in there to rescue my sister you know and they'll remind you constantly like my sister could be in there like yeah okay we got it like yeah. I don't care about your sister dude <laughs> but yeah. but there are games where instead they will like have something like for example um Majora's Mask, which is one of my absolute favorite games of all time, a Zelda game from the N64, you have the moon crashing into the earth and it's over a three-day period, but you can kind of see it slowly coming towards. And that, I find, is way more menacing than people going, oh, the moon. In fact, what's even more menacing in that game is no one really reacts to their <laughs> incoming death and demise. Like, no one cares. Most of them are just like, oh, the festival tomorrow is going to be great. And you're like, can you not see that up there? So I think that is a like fantastic example of like just the showing rather than rather than going, oh, by the way, plot point B. Yeah. yeah. There's a, a great game called uh, Eternal Darkness, Santi's Requiem, that was on the GameCube. And it was a survival horror game. And what would happen was, I don't if I remember correctly, you didn't really have a life meter, you had a sanity meter. Oh, and, yeah. And what would happen was, as the sanity meter decreased, the game itself would begin to mess with you. And it would start off with uh, the screen maybe occasionally becoming distorted, uh, with things not working. And then one of the most famous ones is one of these insanity effects that were called, was it would uh, load up the GameCube's memory card screen and make it look like it was deleting your game save or that your TV had turned off yeah. or the system had crashed and it was it was messing with you on that sort of level and obviously now people kind of know what it is and expect it but back in the day when you didn't know what was happening it would genuinely when that trick hadn't been used yeah, before exactly like, yeah. um, and, the, and that we've got that and um, the Psycho Mantis boss battle from Metal Gear Solid yeah. uh, for, and for the uninitiated, uninitiated on PlayStation 1, Metal Gear Solid there was a boss fight with someone called Psycho Mantis and this boss proclaimed to read your mind the, the mind of the character Solid Snake you were playing but he would also read the contents of your memory card and start saying the names of previous Konami games that you'd also played and then every so often the screen would black out and he would then predict your moves and be able to unable to defeat him. And again, that's another case of video games sort of reaching out to affect the user, to affect you. So also using the hardware or ability or whatever tech it has at the time to kind of mess with you. Yeah, and this is what this episode is about. It's about removing the barriers between the game and you, and you being directly affected by it, like viscerally, which is fantastic. And another theme that pops up a lot in uh, Black Mirror, sorry, as a bit of a side, is like invasive medical procedures. Yes. Like, I'm going to put this piece of technology in your body. Don't worry, nothing will go wrong, mostly. <laughs> it, it seems to pop up quite a lot. I think we're quite scared of, of technology becoming literally like, you know, put into us. Yeah, it's a little, little bit of body horror there, which mm -hmm. is a big deal, you know, and... Uh... And I mean that we're kind of slowly heading that way. I've seen articles where people have had um, chips put in yeah, their RFID arms chips, and, and they're kind of using their Oyster cards, but it's in their their forearm or they're mm. using Android Pay and stuff like that. And it's who knows what will happen. And you know, once it's in there, and it, uh, Sonia talks about the singularity and you know, man and machine yeah. becoming one at the beginning, and with you know generally sort of there are benefits and perils to it, and we don't know what they are. Mm. And unfortunately, Cooper is a casualty of that in, in one way, shape, or form, either ethically or on a just logistical 
basis it's uh, even the most benign there. like versions of the technology like the id cards you were saying like they seem fairly like oh how can that be dangerous but when people can track all your movements you've suddenly got an orwellian future you know like so yeah i think all all kind of biotechnology can be quite scary or at least it's used as a point in, in certain sci-fi to kind of go oh we should watch that yeah it's all about not being able to of, of technology deceiving you of not being able to trust your own eyes and that's been explored in other Black Mirror episodes, famously mm. the one I forget its name, but with the recording constantly. The recording. entire history. Is it Toby Kevill? Is yeah. the actor? Yeah, that one obviously, and and then a few other ones where you just blurring the, the line between reality and whether even if something isn't real in the real world, but if you're experiencing it as if it is real, is it not real? I think like, do you if you feel an emotion in a dream, is that a real emotion? It's, I guess. I guess the emotion can take a while to shake. Like the, you've had dreams that well, I've had like nightmares where like awful things have happened. Mm. Woken up and like oh thank God, the world isn't a Trump apocalypse. Oh, or is it? Oh, uh, sorry about that one, dude. The world isn't an that apocalypse, happened. but the feeling stays with you and it can yes. stay with you the whole day, even though your logical mind is saying, oh no, no, all those weird things that happened in your dream aren't real and you objectively know it but the emotion can stay with you well there's the cliche of uh if your partner dreams about you cheating on them they wake up angry at you and i've had i've had this a few times where like i had a dream where you cheated on me well i didn't oh, i just feel angry at you i haven't done anything yeah it's it's that it just bleeds into real life what have games ever been blamed for people taking violent action <laughs> Have yes. they? Exactly. Have they ever? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, can you like, remember a couple of examples? Grand Theft Auto, most famously. Yeah. Uh, oh, a little while ago, there was, well, I said a little while ago, I think it was, I'm going to guess 2013, maybe 15. There was Hatred, that game, the isometric shooter. You basically played a Columbine shooter kind of character. You go out in a trench coat and just murder people, and the game was incredibly graphic. And some people thought it was hilarious, some people thought it was just a publicity stunt, but it was pretty horrific. I mean, they were just normal people running, screaming from you. and they you know beg for their lives as you mercilessly kill them the only real objective you have is to kill as many innocent people and cops as you can before they kill you and there's a lot of people saying yeah that inspired some pretty horrific stuff but i mean it's controversy about violence in video games it's been going back since god knows when i mean doom was a big one as well yeah. and then you know, before video games there were video nasties yeah and going forward now just people posting stuff on social media there's always something to not that either way they don't want to contribute but there's always something that's being blamed for uh, an uptick in, in certain violent behaviors and, and aggression and i mean don't forget i mean human beings as a species we are pretty terrible we don't really need an excuse, unfortunately, to kind of hurt each other. It's just a, a real shame that uh, you know, not everyone, some of us are nice, but there's just, yeah, it doesn't take a lot for people to lose sense and, and be horrible to each other. You <laughs> shouldn't. You should all be very lovely to each other. Um, did you notice one of the other uh, parallels in the game? So between uh, Show Saito? Yeah. The guy. Um, did did he remind you of anyone in particular? Especially you were talking about Metal Gear Solid. Yeah. I'm leading you oh, here. Oh, leading me, yeah. Um, yeah, so he reminded uh, me very much of Hideo Kojima. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, you know, the kind of superstar game director, like, yeah. you know, like, oh, I've got this vision, and, like, oh, he's a he's a genius kind of thing. And, and especially he did, like, Silent Hill, didn't he, like, PT and stuff yeah. like that. So. There's, like, a, I very much felt like he was the cliche of a Japanese video game <laughs> auteur is how you yeah. expect it to, to be. Um, you know, the way he's sort of very passionate and very dedicated and a little bit intense and full on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of plays straight into that. Yeah, there's obviously a, a, kind of a, a lot of... Because uh, he comes up to Cooper that. with his philosophy, doesn't he? Like, yeah. You know, about 
being afraid. Like, well, he specifically makes uh, survival horror games. Which I'm not a big fan of that genre personally. It's a bit weird. But why does he say he makes them? He goes into emotion. It makes you he says feel. It makes you feel. Yeah, he gives you adrenaline. Makes you feel alive. Yeah, well, you're like you're amazed you're still alive afterwards. Yeah. And in Cooper's case, we're that not sounds sure. quite horrific, though. If you yeah. said that to someone, like, oh yeah, the great thing about scaring the bejeebus out of someone is they'll really feel alive afterwards. But then, art does that, and literature, and kind of everything that's not just straightforwardly real life makes you feel something and why i mentioned narrative video games is a bit like graphic novels video games have not been seen as the highest form of no they've art. seen as low culture for quite yeah, a long time yeah, yeah. and and, that's, and some people still feel that and it's actually just it's not a niche culture anymore it's very mainstream to mm-hmm. be a gamer there's lots of gamers we have lots of games upstairs in our newsroom and so to keep it in a little box and say it's only this actually it's really powerful gaming and part of the time thing is really interesting have you ever lost one, six, ten hours to gaming. Yeah, that's bit wow. Well, that's why it makes Truth it... Bomb. I've, I've, <laughs> lost, I've lost hours to maybe not gaming. The reason I don't like games is because I have a brother who's seven years older than me. So he always won. Oh. Why? My entire life and childhood, I can't beat my brother who's seven years older than me. And he's not like a huge gamer, but he liked his games. He had a little acorn computer in the 80s. Oh my and God, yeah, he was, he's good at these things and good on him. And as a kid, I could not beat him. So I don't like that feelings. I don't play them and maybe I'm missing out. But there is narrative. There are characters. There's a whole world's built. Yeah. I did an English degree. I read novels. That's what my head was doing. It's doing the same thing. It's not so different, except one is apparently high culture and one is low. Well, now apparently. games exist as a way to not just have like a, a technical challenge of a challenge of reflexes mm. a lot of games now are purely narrative based they're immersive yeah. as well they're, they're completely and utterly immersive in fact i was going to say there's um when cooper his mum keeps ringing him and he responds with just one of the automatic preset, yeah, the yeah. preset. it is very much reminiscent of uh, this company called telltale and they make a, a lot of <laughs> games where <laughs> completely yeah, completely narrative focused big story single player and you choose dialogue options Mm. And that's what he's doing essentially. He's choosing a dialog option in a game for him to, to respond to What's his. What's it called again? A dialog option. So, so you'll talk to someone and like a little bar will come up with maybe four suggestions. Yeah. So I can say, Hi, JC. Screw you, JC. Oh, it's JC. You know, like you get a, and you I get a limited time. Unusual yeah. on his phone. And I, I paused it to look. And he said, Sorry, I'm at work, which was yeah. the biggest lie out of all of them. He could have said, I'm not free. I didn't see what he blah, said. Blah. He said, I have to pause it. Because I was like, Which one did he go for? It was the third one down. He could just say, I'm not free. I can't talk. I thought he put, Sorry, I'm busy. He said, Sorry, I'm at work, which adds oh. the whole. He, he left without her knowing, yeah. very quietly tiptoeing. How long do we think he's been away for? Exactly. Because that oh, beard, it depends it, on beard growth, obviously, and how much testosterone you have. But. He, Whoa, let's yes. Yeah. Those are my favourite ways of marking time. Beard yeah. growth, testosterone levels. It's, it's science. What I do all the time. I'm actually wearing a lab coat now, everyone. Just and a beard. And a beard and long johns. Yes. So. <laughs> and his testosterone levels are flashing up on a screen yeah. on, my, on my laptop. I'm, I'm, I'm spiking. Does he not tell Sonia in the pub? Like how long he's been? It feels like good. A good for. Look. But also, he says when he's going back, and I'm sure she says, "How long have you been away?" Yeah. I'm, I'm, Pretty sure. No, he I says I'm going home time. next week. He doesn't say how long he's been away. But oh. what I love is that whole beginning is obviously editing. It's it's editing yeah. a program to to give a sense of time passing. That's that's what happens when only point not four seconds. So yeah. TV and film do that to us as well. They make mm. us think that time has passed when actually it's the first five minutes 
of the show, but we're meant to have seen him go through, it feels like six months, eight months, a good mm. six, solid six, eight months. Yeah. It's not, it was like five minutes of the yeah. show. And actually 37 minutes is spent on 0.04 seconds. Yeah. So Charlie Brooker's show, and, and he does this a lot with the cookies, like Christmas, all of them, put a cookie in, dial it up for six months, possibly send it crazy. It's a perception of time in Black yeah. Mirror, and particularly in this episode. The audience at first is not messed with because we're used to that. We're used to the trickery of TV and film. Yeah, eight months have gone. We don't know. It's just the you editing. Just, you just take it as... He's in London going, how tall is Big Ben? You know, he's everywhere in the world. And that's how we experience our friends' travels as well. Funny enough, like when I first... Because before I kind of rewatched the episodes, I remembered at the beginning of the episode not liking him. Like, oh, you know, typical tourist. He's kind of brash and he, you know, asks obnoxious questions. And then when I rewatched it, I'm like, no, he didn't do any of that. In fact, he was really lovely to a little girl on the plane. Yes. She's freaking out. And he's like, imagine it's a roller coaster. And that tells you lots of things about him like shortcut straight away that yeah he's probably a nice guy and it does tell you a little bit like oh he likes roller coasters maybe a thrill seeker ah. I and found him thing. sweet I found him someone who's probably naturally quite sweet but has gone through something very tough and has no way to talk has no idea how mm. to talk about it. he opens up to Sonia and I think it's, it's important he's speaking to someone who he doesn't have to see again sometimes that's easier yeah. isn't it and and it's actually horrific his dad had early onset Alzheimer's they were best friends and he's not close to someone we find out his mum might be suicidal yeah. it's, it's awful but yeah he takes a moment from watching his screen to look at the little girl notice he's a good reader of people I, I thought he was very sweet and I felt very sad for him I was like he did not deserve what might we don't know about yeah well, but I, I like I would like it in my head that it is the downfall happens simply because he didn't turn off his phone so it's his fault it's his it's, fault but then also, it's a moral story isn't it yeah but also it's it's also something completely banal as well. Like it's it would completely. It's very Charlie Brooker. It's very Charlie that, Brooker. Yeah. That the really like there was no. It, he wasn't like destined. He wasn't like it was not a real morality story about like this is this guy is like a bit unsavory and he does mean things and he gets a comeuppance. Um, it's literally he just forgot to turn off his phone and it's something so mundane. And even like um, Saito's reaction at the end is like just you know oh well let me like, make a note of this and he kind of walks off it's all very sort of it just ends it's completely banal and it's just completely it's it's a gut punch that and, you know Kuba just becomes disposable and it's it's only because he was just in the wrong place at the, uh, at the wrong time and, and you know these random events just sort of happened well not random but like he just we've all left our phone on our desk you know we've all had an um, or been in the cinema and left your phone been, on yeah. you just put it on side yeah. on a plane have you ever left your phone on on a plane yeah. well no because that could cause an and yes because he's happens. asked to switch it off on a plane at the start yeah. isn't he yeah, yeah. but he does mm. it's like they, he switches Brooke has taken that and kind of extrapolated and gone what could actually <laughs> what's the worst that could yeah. happen yeah. I think he looks at every piece of technology looks at a shaver and goes what's yeah. the worst that could happen and then a Black Mirror episode comes out of sentient shavers yeah just chasing giving us all Brazilians yes Whoa. And thereby, if we're completely hairless, we then do not survive winters. Yeah. And the human race And the shavers win. Yeah. Don't let the shavers win. It's only hairy people. But then the shavers die because they have no hair to shave. Yeah. They cut off their only food source. Yes. Charlie, you can have that one. That's our copy. No, that's our copyright, Charlie. Hands off. (laughs) It's copyright the Daily Mirror, actually. TM. (laughs) Is it your favourite episode of Black Mirror? If not, tell me which one it's please. I think it's probably not my favourite, but on a rewatch, it's better than I remember. I think 
I, it's went under the radar a bit for me. I think when I first watched it, I was thought it was a very good episode of something. But compared to, there are so many standout Black Mirror episodes mm. that I think when they're stood by those, it can fly under the radar. But watching it back, it's a lot better than I give it credit for. And there's a game which speaks to me on a certain level and it does something quite interesting. And it's also just a flat-out horror movie. Just the, that confrontation with Sonya, it is something like out of a lot of horror movies. It's fantastic. It's, it's, it's exhilarating. Mm. Um, but I think there are other episodes that are even more subversive, that are even more twisty and turny. And this is a, this is a good episode, but it's a, a very good episode in a series of outstanding episodes that's not to diminish the work of charlie brooker or dan trachtenberg it's a fantastic episode it's just not my my favorite necessarily i think because there's a lot of cg in it and what is uh, your favorite it's a tricky one uh, well i remember i've only seen the christmas special and the first three seasons i have to say oh, the, christmas, the christmas special is very very good yes very it is good. Yeah, like, christmas is fantastic yeah, yeah. um given that it is it's a christmas special but it is the opposite of christmas it is not feel good it is not uplifting. It is the opposite of Santa Claus the movie. That's the spectrum. You have Santa Claus the movie with Dudley Moore on one end and the Black Mirror Christmas Special on the other. I have a big soft spot for National Anthem because that is Charlie Brooker setting out his stall. It, and I had heard hints Weirdly and rumours. as well. Yeah, allegedly. Uh, but it set out the stall and I had heard rumours about what the episode was about and what it involved. But even seeing it, for myself, it it feels it takes my breath away because it's so horrible, and even rewatching it feels horrible. And it just completely represented what the show was going to be going forward. <laughs> it set the tone. Yeah, it's like the show is not messing about. There will be no happy ending at the end. We do not hold your hand. There's no denouement. It's just this is a bad thing that is happening that could happen right now. You know, tomorrow in five minutes. Who knows? It's yeah, national anthem. I think speaks to me. Um, it's. Actually, through the rewatch, because I remember when I first watched it, I was like, yeah, it was good, it was good. Through the rewatch, I was like, actually, this is one of my favourites. Like, it was so good, the performance in it was so good. The technology, I thought, was relatively believable. I liked the little references, but not just because, oh, you know, gamer. Just, I just thought it, they fit within the themes uh, very, very, very well. Um, so, yeah, I'd definitely put that in, like, my top three, maybe, actually. I don't yeah. Don't ask me what the other ones are, but my favourite one is probably the entire history of you. So that was Playtest. I think we thoroughly analysed that one. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy this podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, click all the stars, tell all your friends, um, invent a game that makes other people have to listen to this podcast to finish the game. And uh, yes, goodbye for now. And call your mum. Yeah, call her for me as well. <laughs> <laughs>